0: To you, Dr. E. Andrew Sandler. Welcome to you, please. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, brother. My parents believed in Christian education. In the mid-70s, my mother would drive my oldest sister and me in the morning 50 miles one way to attend a good Christian school on the west side of Cleveland. She would drop us off and drive 50 miles home and do her housework. In the afternoon she would drive 50 miles to pick us up and drive 50 miles home. If you've done your math calculation, that's 200 miles a day. That's a thousand miles a school week. Humanly speaking, I am here largely today because my parents believed in Christian education. You are right to believe in Christian education and to support it and pray for it. It is worth every sacrifice. This brief address today will be to you graduates directly, but it'll be for everybody, so you are allowed to listen. This spring, graduation speakers are preparing graduates to go out into a unique, brave new world and to meet its advantages and its challenges and above all things they are seeking to be relevant to today's unique situation. I'm not going to do that this evening. Graduates, what I'm going to say this evening will be just as relevant and true on your deathbed maybe 50 60 70 years from now as it is today because the word of God abides forever it is inherently relevant if you have your Bible I'm reading just one verse from Hebrews chapter 11 a chapter with which many of you are familiar the chapter. Of great faith some call it the great hall of faith Hebrews chapter 11 and perhaps the most well-known verse in that chapter verse 6 but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I'm going to speak tonight on the God who rewards those who seek Him. According to the writer of Hebrews, faith in God presupposes two beliefs. First, that God exists. That God is real. And second, that He rewards those Who seek him. We often think of the first criterion, don't we? To have true faith we must believe in God. To have true faith you can't be an atheist, otherwise you couldn't have faith. Not true faith, you would have a false faith in a false God. There is always faith of some kind by the way. If we don't have true faith we have a perverted faith in man or in the state or in ideologies or in someone but that's not true faith but we don't often think about the second did you notice that second we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him God rewards those who seek him listen carefully to have true biblical faith we must believe that It's not enough to believe that God exists. To have true faith, you must believe that God will reward you if you seek him diligently. Otherwise, you and I do not have faith. That's the main point I want to make this evening. First, I want to say something about God's character. God's character. As this verse points out. God delights To reward those who seek Him. He delights to reward those who seek Him. You know, we can't afford to be wrong about the kind of God that we worship. About His attributes. We can't afford to be wrong about that. That's basic. If we're wrong about this, if we're wrong about God, we will be wrong about everything else. Everything. How can we know what God is like? Fundamentally, by reading His Word, the Bible. And if you want to know what God is like, fundamentally, comprehensively, as a human can know, immerse yourself in the Word of God. There's no greater knowledge in the world you can have than knowledge of what God is like. But I would draw your attention again to verse six, that last part. Of verse 6. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is, notice it doesn't say all-powerful, although God is, or all-knowing, though certainly God is that, or just, or loving, all-true. But rather, to have faith, you must believe that he is a rewarder. Of those who seek him. In other words, you can't get to first base with God if you don't know that he rewards those who seek him. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 6, when you pray to your father who is in secret, he sees what is done in secret and will reward you openly. God delights to reward those who seek him. This is the God we serve. That's the point I'm making. He delights to reward those who seek him. Graduates, please understand that your entire life. He loves to reward those who will just seek after him. The second point I want to make is that some are discomforted with, disturbed by, this truth. They're disturbed by the idea of reward that God would reward someone who sought after him. They think it conflicts, for example, with salvation by grace. And the Bible certainly does teach salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation. If God rewards, therefore, they seem to say, that necessitates merit. And that undermines salvation by grace. Well, if they believe that, they have a mighty big problem. Because I must tell you something, and you know this if you've read your Bible. Again and again, the Bible promises, God promises rewards to his people who are faithful to him. It's all over the Bible. I'll read just one, mention just one in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Paul's talking about the church there and to them. He says, in essence, if you're faithful to me, listen to this. You shall receive the reward of the inheritance. God rewards those who obey. Listen carefully. We are saved by faith. And God rewards faith. That's what verse 6 means. God rewards faith. And I can promise you on the authority of the word of God, young ladies, if you will spend your life seeking after God, God will reward you. Salvation itself is, if we may say so, a reward for faith. Others are disturbed by the idea of rewards because somehow they have the idea that God is stingy. And he doesn't want to give good things to his people. That's somehow self-centered. But friends, that's a satanic lie. Think in essence of what Satan, the serpent, said to Eve in Eden. Look how uncaring God is. He doesn't want to give you all these good things, so he's established this prohibition that you cannot touch this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Because he's stingy. God is a hoarder. He's trying to keep you from good things. I would submit to you that the worst thing Satan did in the garden, the worst thing he did was slander the character of God let us not fall in with that slander friends god only wants what's best for us what will delight us and he alone knows what will delight us you don't know what will delight you you don't know what will satisfy you god knows do you know why he's the creator you don't know he knows god's law is designed to delight us did you know that Oh, these people saying God's law is just so onerous and heavy and oh, I've got to get away from God's law. I wonder, have they ever read the 119th Psalm? God's law is a great blessing. We think of the first and second commandment. What is God saying by implication? Idolatry brings bring sorrow. Or Adultery spawns great heartache. Proverbs says like fire in your bosom. Theft and lying produce great sadness and great tragedy. The creator knows what delights the creature. This is why God delights to answer our prayers. Now I want you to think about that. I want you young ladies to leave today, and if you haven't before, and I believe you have, please be ladies of prayer. Be great women of prayer. Oh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, read that whole passage. I'm abstracting some of it. He says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give good things to those that ask I'd like to ask you fathers out there, if your children come to you and they ask of you something in your power, and it's a good thing, if it would not harm them, but it would make them happy, does it not delight you to get it for them and to see the the smile on their face and the twinkle in their eye and the great joy when they get that thing? And then I'm gonna ask you another question. Do you think that you're a better father than God? God delights when we pray and cast ourselves entirely on him and ask him, and he gives us good things. That delights God's heart. I would also like to say that our delights are not captive to his arbitrary sovereignty. His arbitrary sovereignty. Yes, He does because we live in a sinful world send hardships and trials and difficulties for his good purposes and to help us but know this, he doesn't delight in that he delights to delight us don't you delight to delight your children or is your attitude this I'm going to be extremely cruel to my children because it gives me great delight, only a perverse parent would think that Listen to this, young lady, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's a promise from the word of God. The third and final main point I want to make is this. If faith demands that we see God as a reward. Of those who seek him and if we do seek him we must live in a constant state of anticipation of what he's going to do I would like you to think about that that means in the morning when we awake when we're groggy before we get our coffee one of the first things we need to think of is God I'm excited to see what you're going to do today because I have faith in you because I'm seeking you, and I expect your work in some way that I can't imagine. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer, Christian Missionary Alliance preacher and writer. I hope that you young ladies, if you haven't read him, get the books of A.W. Tozer. Read every single one. In his wonderful little essay, Faith Without Expectation is Dead, he said these words Every great movement of God in history, every unusual advance in the church, every revival has been preceded by a sense of keen anticipation. Expectation accompanied by the operation of the Spirit always. God's bestowals hardly surprised his people because they were gazing expectantly toward the risen Lord and looking confidently for his word to be fulfilled. His blessings accorded with their expectations. One characteristic, he goes on to write, that marks the average church today is lack of anticipation. Christians, when they meet, do not expect anything unusual to happen. Consequently, only the usual happens, and that usual is as predictable as the setting of the sun. A psychology of non-expectation pervades the assembly. I was arrested by that phrase. A psychology of non-expectation. Are we filled with a psychology of non-expectation? not expecting God to work? Or are we constantly expecting God to work? We constantly expect God to work work, and thus live in faith. That's what faith is. Expecting God to work. Oh, how non-expectant our prayers are. Often because our false view of God, that if only we would ask Him, if only we would ask Him, He would do good things for us. Many years ago, there was a great drought in a Midwest farming community, probably not much different from around here. The whole community was facing economic calamity. So the pastor of the town church, there's only one church in the town, as was often the case then. He called a noon prayer meeting at the town square to pray for rain. The crops were failing. Everything was just as dry, bone dry. Farms were being lost. It was a terrible situation. And so hundreds showed up. Hundreds showed up to the prayer meeting all around. And even unbelievers showed up. And as they were to begin, a few people noticed a small boy on the edge who had brought his umbrella. My prayer is, Lord, give us Christians who bring umbrellas to prayer meetings. Note then that God's reward is contingent on the expectation. Did you know that from that passage? Did you see that? God's reward is contingent on the expectation. And if our attitude in prayer is, Lord, it's a duty to pray, and Lord, we're praying for this to happen, we don't really expect it's going to happen. But Lord, we want you to heal so and so. We want to see this person converted. We want this person to get a job. This person badly needs a car. We don't really expect it's going to happen. But it would be nice if you did it. But we don't really expect it to happen. We're not exercising faith. I say that on the authority of Hebrews eleven six b Read it. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and must believe that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. which is to say this, unbelief hinders prayer. Unbelief hinders prayer. And one reason we don't have more prayers answered is precisely because we pray unbelieving prayers. Young ladies congregation. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you will seek for him with all your heart and all your soul. So I would urge us all to live lives in expectation. Live lives in expectation of God's working. If God is not actively involved in this world, moving, changing, affecting the weather, affecting uh, individual people's movements, affecting results of everything from the stock market to automobiles, then my friends, the Bible isn't true. Because the Bible depicts that kind of God that is actively involved in the world. Graduates, I'd like to leave you with two sets of verses. One from Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And then finally, 2 Chronicles 16, on verse 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God is, as it were, looking over the battlements of heaven, saying, I'm just trying to find someone looking for those whose heart is given to me. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? Because I want to show myself strong on their behalf. May that be true of you two young ladies. And that, may that be true of you. Let us pray. Father, I ask that you would forgive me and forgive us for our frequent lack of faith. Lord, we do believe in you, but we often do not believe that you are the rewarder if we diligently seek you. Oh God, help us to seek you more than anything as a treasure, a prized possession. May we seek your kingdom and your righteousness. God, may all of us leave here changed people. May we be mighty people of prayer. And to pray with nothing less than audacious expectation. We pray these things, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord and King. Amen.